Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to this week's From the Pavilion podcast. Thank you very much for downloading and listening in. Ollie Slack providing it for you. Alongside me is Nathan Johns in London uh, this week and probably for the next few weeks. Nathan, how are you doing? Not too bad, Ollie. How are you? Enjoyed that show tonight? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Very good after the bit of a kerfuffle at the start with the quiz, which, of course, none of the listeners will hear because we'll very, very nicely and neatly edit it out of the, uh, of the, of the podcast which is which is quite handy, as it means that you don't have to listen to someone faffing around trying to get their mic to work on Zoom. Yeah, it's pretty pretty handy that. Although to be fair, I think we've had we've had uh, we've had worse quizzes than that. But like the one that springs to mind is when one of the guests just didn't turn up, and then yeah. a different guest who had absolutely nothing to do with the quiz decided to come in and win it. Yeah. James, so I feel like yeah. that was that that was definitely the m- more smooth than that time for sure. Yeah. To be fair, there was nothing wrong with tonight's quiz. The the guest eventually got on air, and, and we managed to sort it out. We were very close to heading off to our feature interview um, before the quiz, though, but we managed to, to start the quiz, I wouldn't say on time, but in the sort of slot it was meant to be in. Uh, the quiz Nathan's referring to was when James Minot jumped in to save the day. Uh, I can't remember who it was now. It was it was in the second week, but he jumped in when one of the guests didn't turn up and he was our guest we were going to chat to later on in the show and he, and he then jumped in at the last minute and actually managed to win. So full credit to him last minute. But there was also another week where... I think it was March, just didn't turn up. Or no, it wasn't March, so it was Ramsey. Ramsey didn't turn up, I think, um, which which happens. It's live. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, I want to tell you about my horrendous journey in today. So what's the, oh, what's the, we- what's the weather been like here at Lord's? Beautiful. Absolutely stunning. <laughs> it was absolute pandemonium in, in Cambridge today. So it was pretty, pretty warm. It was more than pretty warm. It was very hot all day. And then right. I think it was about... Was it four or five, maybe four o'clock? No, probably a bit early, maybe three o'clock. The heavens just opened. Um, I live just outside of Cambridge, north of Cambridge. And the heavens just opened. It was raining all the way into Cambridge. And then I turned up in Cambridge. And clearly people have obviously gone out under the impression that it's lovely weather. It's sunny, T-shirts on, shorts, flip-flops. And you just saw them walking back to their cars or scurrying back to their cars or getting on buses or heading home. Absolutely drenched. They were covered in rain. For some whatever reason, when it's raining, traffic is ten times worse. So it was a nightmare. It took me about fifty minutes to get in. But there were puddles building up on the side of the road, down Lensfield Road. It was a, uh, it was, it was rather wet. Oh, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. Did you get caught in it, or were you okay? What the rain or the traffic? The rain. Well, I didn't know, but I left my windows open in my car because I went out earlier in the day, and oh, uh, yeah. yeah, you know what's coming. So I got into the car and I had to sit, basically, in like a wet sponge. And drive myself in to work, um, yeah. Which was a fifty-minute journey sitting on a wet sponge isn't pleasant. Worth it for the work, though, obviously. <laughs> Worth it just to chat to you, Nathan. Oh, thanks, Andy. Yeah, but uh, Lords clearly didn't get the, the deluge of rain that uh, that we got, or Chelmsford got. That's why they were they were off for a bit. Um, yeah. So, hmm. but summer lasted one week. Ridiculous, isn't it? It was a nice week, though. Did you? Did you have any cricket during the one week of summer? We did, yeah, yeah. We uh, we won again. Two wins on the bounce. Are we, are we? Huge, massive. Yeah. Well done, mate. It was actually we played um, top of the league, and uh, oh wow, and posted two eight two. Off. How did you bowl? Uh, got one wicket this week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got well. I told you I got four last week, and I don't need to go over that again. People will sound like I'm bragging, no. but. No. Well, I was going to say, I figured you didn't do as well as last week because when you did get those <laughs> figures, that was the first thing you said. 
Was it? So uh, <laughs> yeah, I figured if that didn't come out first thing, I figured mm. maybe maybe it didn't do quite as well. Okay, well that probably won't be happening for a long time then. If it's anything like my, my, my previous <laughs> issue, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like to brag normally, no, because there's nothing really to brag about if, in all honesty. But no, it's a good win. Two eight two posted on the board in forty overs. Some uh, real like sweet clean hitting on display as well at the uh, at the Blunty Road. It does get like honestly, the outfield is like glass. Last week it was because I think that summer we had in twenty eighteen when the World Cup mm. was on football world cup and it was so hot literally anything you touched i mean even i could score a boundary i probably didn't actually but <laughs> but like anything you touched was four because it just ran away it was one or four or sorry nothing or yeah, four probably still or four i remember that summer and i remember all the grounds all the grass was just completely brown i don't think i've ever seen anything like it i haven't seen anything since there was no rain for months and there wasn't there there was a water ban as well so the uh, groundsmen couldn't water the grass so nobody played in any any green outfields it was all just dead brown grass it was mm. really weird but you loved it oh well it was not it was nice to bat up not nice to run around and dive on that's, <laughs> that's sure. true that's true there's no diving at our level you don't have to do that just use your feet <laughs> yeah good point actually a few sore ankles then yeah 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 maybe or shins depending how good you are stopping your feet. <laughs> yeah. very true from the pavilion on cambridge 105 radio Hello, good evening, and welcome along to the local cricket show where we ran up all of the action from around the county. Yes, this is from the Pavilion. My name is Ollie Slack. Alongside me is Nathan Johns, and this is your home of cricket here in Cambridgeshire. It's nice that the summer lasted just a week with the rain arriving in town today. On the show today, this week's special guest is Abington's David Pimlet. We'll be talking all about their Invitation Cup semi-final victory over Camborne and how COVID is impacting on their league schedule. We'll also be hearing from Cambridge's Deminda Ranawira. And as ever, we'll run up the local action in the East Anglian Premier League and Camden Hunt's Premier Leagues too. Cambridge had a cracking win on Sunday in the 50-over trophy. They're through to the semi-finals. We'll hear from Ben Seabrook later on this hour. We'll also continue round one of the FTP Quiz Cup. Blunchum versus Sawston of Abraham this evening. And David will be asking us his big question too. As ever, if you want to contribute to the show, you can do, please do, at FTP Cricket 105 on both Twitter and Facebook. We are live this week. Yes, I'm out from under my duvet on holiday. That's not a euphemism. I was <laughs> trying to get the best sound quality as possible last week because we pre-recorded, but we're back in the studio today. 07919 070 490, the number to text. You can email studio at cambridge105.co.uk. So thanks very much for tuning in and also if you're listening on the podcast too. And Nathan not with me in the studio this week. That's because he's off for his uh, 100 gig. He's not playing, unfortunately, but he's uh, helping out with one of the, the London-based sides. And uh, hopefully, technology bearing, he's with us now. Evening, Nathan. Evening, Ollie. How you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Sigh of relief as the technology works. <laughs> yeah, well, we managed to get there in the end. How's London? Yeah, it's nice. It's uh, very nice down here at the minute as well. Uh, we've no rain down here. And uh, yeah, first day of training today with the London Spirits. So we were in Lords um, 
Shane Warren was taking the session. He's the coach here. So that was all quite fun watching them and filming them go about their business. So yeah, good, good first day on the job. That's amazing. Was Lords looking a picture as ever? Oh, as beautiful as ever. They've got the new stands now either yeah. side of the um they moved the, the media center and it, they've done it in a way that the shape of the stands is actually quite similar to the media center and it's just stunning. It, it, it's, they've made it even more beautiful. It's it's really cool. Did you speak to uh, Mr. Warren? I did, yeah. Did yeah. you? Chat to him a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, we've been we we got it. We entered the bubble yesterday, so we've been doing various team activities and things like that. So, meeting everybody involved and chatting away, or, or trying to, and trying not to spend too much time sitting on my own in the corner. So, uh, <laughs> it's going going all right now. Yeah, it's good. Did he bowl at you? No, God oh. no. He bowled. He he, limb, he got he got bored and bowled about one ball out in the middle because they did a middle practice. But apart from that, I haven't seen him bowl much. Okay. Have you met the uh, England captain yet, Owen Morgan? He's not here. They've got their game tonight. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, you're right. Of course. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't He doesn't get here until tomorrow, I think. Shouldn't have mentioned that. Everyone will turn off now. Can I go watch the cricket? <laughs> That's right. You can always, yeah, I know. always turn the know. sound well, down on the cricket. They'll leave us in the background, exactly. Yeah, exactly. What better way to spend your uh, Tuesday evening than watching the cricket and listening to us? Um, anyway, let's. Uh, I think we should crack on with the quiz, don't you? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it then. So this week, I'm delighted to say that uh, it's Bluntisham against Sawson and Abraham. Now, uh, now <laughs> there is no bias at all. Obviously, listeners, regular listeners of the show will know that I am from Bluntisham myself, but it is a, a fair contest. So we have reached the final the final tie of round one in the FTP Quiz Cup. And I said it's Bluntisham against Sawson and Abraham, the Swans versus the Rams, if I'm not mistaken. And the winner will also be the last club to book their place in the quarterfinals. So competing for Bluntisham is Zanir Shahid. Competing from Sawson of Babraham is Nick Griggs. Nick, how you doing, mate? Hello, mate. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, very well, thank you. How's the uh, how's the season been going for you so far? All okay? Yeah, doing well, mate. Doing well. Um, lost good. one game, um, but no, doing really well. Good. And uh, and obviously the first team doing really well. So I know you play a trade for the for the twos, I believe, but the, the first team have been have been fantastic, haven't they? competing at the top of the East Anglian Premier League. Yeah, they've, I mean, they've really impressed everyone, actually. I think um, the full season, I, we weren't really sure how they'd get on, but I think they've surprised a few, and it's good that they're still right up there. Do you reckon they can do it? You'd like to think so. <laughs> I mean, it's, very competitive. It's, it's a very competitive league, um, and everyone can beat everyone, but while they're still turning up with good performances, there's no, there's no reason why not. We're going to speak to... David Pimblett later on from Abington about the sort of the cancellations of, of some of the fixtures and how COVID is affecting it. Has it happened in in your division at all? I think you're Whiting's three, aren't you? Mm. I think there's been a few. Um, we've been lucky enough not to have any affected um, touch wood at the moment. But obviously, there's been a few around recently, so we're just fingers crossed that we'll we'll be able to finish the season. Yeah, hopefully so. It, it did sort of bring it back to light, doesn't it? When it when it happens and makes you realise that the, the virus is obviously still knocking about mm. um, and brings it all back into everyone's immediate focus and, and how lucky we were mm. to, to to play last year. And we couldn't get Zanir earlier on, but fingers crossed he's on the line now. Zanir, are you there? I am here. Here we are. Better late than never. How you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm, I'm good, thank you. Sorry about that. That's all right. That's all right. It all went swimmingly in rehearsals. Yeah, it did. My daughter... Um... Came and joined me, so I'm sitting oh. outside my car at the minute. Oh, is she not with you now? <laughs> not at the moment. Okay. Anyway, enlighten the listeners. Enlighten the listeners, of course, because I know how the uh, the season's been going at Blunty so far. Um, I think it's it's been a fairly good season. Um, obviously, we're enjoying our time back after COVID. 
last year was a bit of a write-off, really, with all these friendlies. But this year, to have competitive cricket is great. Yeah, we've not been doing too bad. The um, we had a game a couple of weeks ago. Could have been uh, a bit of a banana peel. Um, we were playing Horseheath, and they notched up an impressive two ninety-two, I think. <laughs> and then um, when we went into bat, it started raining, and they got the covers on. And as they were taking the covers off, the water. Um, from the covers went Nightmare. onto the wicket on a length. So uh, that was a bit disappointing. But, uh, yeah, the, the lads, obviously, because they had such a great score, they were quite insistent that we carry on. <laughs> we were a bit reluctant. You're in your car ready to go. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, it was on a length. But, yeah, we, we did persevere. You know, we I think we made the right call for cricket and carried on. So well, although we lost, we uh, I think we won the moral... <laughs> we had a moral victory but other than that I think yeah all the lads are enjoying their cricket um, we've had a couple of games that we really should have won but uh, we lost but yeah I think we're three um, I think Horseheath are on top with sure it's around 20, 20 odd points ahead of us with a game in hand but the season's not over so you know we'll try our best No, so I think you're right third in the minute in the table and, uh, and doing pretty well in, in senior two um, let's crack on with the quiz then, because uh, we are running slightly behind schedule now, but uh, no dramas. I'll just explain the format to, to both of you as well. Obviously, regular listeners will know, but you're competing against each other in a best-of-five contest. Each question will have six possible answers, and the player going first will take a guess at that. If they're right, they get the point. If not, play then passes across to your opponent. If they get it wrong, play returns to your opponent. It's a bit like a tennis rally. And uh, to decide who's going first, who takes control of the the game board, if you like, we'll ask you a separate question. Does that all make sense, guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brill. And yep. uh, Nathan, as ever, if you could kindly keep count, that would be very, very handy. Of course. Let's uh, let's get cracking with the, the first questions. This is known as the toss. Now, Sir Alistair Cook is in action today for Essex against Cambridgeshire at Chelmsford. He scored 24,643 first-class runs in his career. But how many has he scored against the white ball? So we're including list day and T20 cricket. Added together, how many runs has Sir Alistair Cook scored against the white ball? Nick, if you can go first, give us an answer. <laughs> Good luck. Um, 8,000. 8,000. Daniil, what are you going for? Um, seven and a half thousand. Cheeky, just, just under. It is 6,947. So... Zanir takes the, the toss and takes control. You ready for question one, Zanir? <laughs> I guess so. Question one is, in England's 45-run victory over Pakistan in the second T20 on Sunday, who took the most wickets for the three Lions? Was it Saki Mahmood, Adil Rashid, Moeen Ali, Matt Parkinson, Tom Curran or Chris Jordan? What do you reckon? Oh, oh my God. I've, um, can I tell you a little secret? I'm just watching that game on... I'll replay the minute. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Adil Rashid, maybe. You go Adil Rashid. See if you're right. Mm. Oh. Over to you, Nick. Uh, I'm going to go with Saqib Mahmood. Saqib Mahmood. Mm. One point on the board. One point on the board for Nick. Question two is for you as well, Nick. Uh, India defeated Sri Lanka by seven wickets in the first ODI in Colombo on Sunday but who top scored in the run chase with 86 not out was it Privy Shaw Rohit Sharma Shikhar Darwan Virat Kohli Rishabh Pant or Hardik Pandya 
What you reckon? Uh, Shikadawan. It's correct. Yeah, Shikadawan was the top scorer in the run trace. 2-0 to Nick. Zanir, you need this. Yeah, I do, don't I? Question three. <laughs> Which team qualified for Division 1 of the County Championship with the most points? Was it Nottinghamshire, Warwickshire, Somerset, Hampshire, Lancashire or Yorkshire? Um, Lancashire. Going with Lancashire? <clears throat> Unfortunately not. Nick, a chance to wrap it up. Um, I'm going to go with Warwickshire. Going with Warwickshire. <clears throat> Incorrect. Back over to you, Zanir. Um, well, the, well, the well, other three are two, four left. Uh, Nottinghamshire, Somerset, Hampshire or Yorkshire? Um, I'm going to go for it with Somerset. you going with Somerset? <laughs> Nick uh, We'll go with Yorkshire You're going with Yorkshire <laughs> Two left Come on Zanir 50-50 choice Between Nottinghamshire And Hampshire What do you reckon? Not- Nottinghamshire Let's go with that Hooray Yes Two <laughs> One Nick this, is, this question is for you though So you have got another chance To, to wrap it up in the Roses clash between Lancashire and Yorkshire on Sunday in the T20 Blast, Joe Root's side refused to run out which batsman after he fell down in a heap with cramp? Was it Keaton Jennings, Alex Davies, Dane Villas, Stephen Croft, Rob Jones or Luke Wells? I'm going to go with Stephen Croft. you going with Stephen Croft? That's correct. It's correct. And that means as well you have clinched it. Congratulations, Nick. Commiserations, Anir. How do you feel, Z? Um, yeah, I feel amazing. Congratulations, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> oh. But is it another moral victory? Can you count as a moral victory? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think let's go with it. Yeah. Well, I think I think you've been a fantastic sports, Anir. Really, really appreciate you coming on, and you're certainly oh, not cool. going to get any stick on the. Uh, on the old Facebook group chat when we finish tonight. Yeah, great. Thanks a lot. Be <laughs> nice to me. <laughs> I will. I will. No worries about that. So Nir Shahid from Blunsham there, thanking him very much for, for coming on and participating. Nick, congratulations, though. You made it through Thanks, to the quarterfinals. Mate. Yeah, exciting. It's very exciting. Will you be uh, Will you be <laughs> continuing on or will you be passing the buck to uh, to someone else at Sourceland Bay, Bram? I'll have to see if I get the call up. Um <laughs> There's some big game players. Maybe Dan will do it himself now it's a quarterfinal. Maybe. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe now he sees a trophy in sight, he'll be jumping on the opportunity exactly. to, uh, to do it. <laughs> Nick, thanks for your time, mate. Cheers, mate. Nick there from Sourcen of Abraham, who clinches the quiz uh, over Blunsham. So Sourcen of Abraham take it 3-1, and that uh, completes our quarterfinal lineup. We'll reveal all the final eight teams in the quarterfinal lineup after the break. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. You're welcome back to From the Pavilion, your local dedicated cricket show here on Cambridge 105 Radio. And I did say before the break that I'd uh, I'd let you know who is in the quarterfinals, but we've done so many ties that I can't remember all the teams we've got through. So we'll add it up and uh, we'll play out this week's feature. So Cambridge lost their opening three games of this year's East Anglian Premier League campaign. However, since the end of May, they have suffered only two more 
winning five games, which has lifted them up to fourth in the table. They've been in a fantastic run of form. One man who's been integral to that is Daminda Ranawira, or as his teammates call him, DK. The 41-year-old Sri Lankan has hit three EAPL centuries this season, four in all comps, including two over the most recent weekend. He is a run machine, and he sat down with me for a chat about his cricketing career to date. It's a really privilege to play for Granta. It's a tough, they are in a tough league and uh, the young boys really good, talented and uh, they're still playing good cricket. And if I mention a few players like Johnny Atkinson is the most experienced player as a batsman. He's still doing well and John Louis Hill is still doing well with the ball and bat. It's a well improvement from me, I can see. And uh, the young boys like Henry Campbell and Michael Pepper, Sam Akta and other players like so many players really talented. I'm really happy to play with them in a good league. I'm really happy. I'm still enjoying. What brought you over to England and, and why did you why did you opt to play for Cambridge? What was it about Cambridge that made you want to play for them? Yeah, especially my, my wife, she's Italian. She she moved to Cambridge two thousand eighteen. So from Italy then that's uh how I got into the Cambridge. So I got a friend, uh, Asama Virasekar, who is a Sri Lankan who who been living here for a long time. I contacted him before I came to Cambridge. So he's the one uh, got me to Cambridge straight away. And I read online that when you first came to Cambridge, that you knew, as you just said, you knew some of the players in the second team and the plan was for you originally to play in the second team, but you were just too good. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Uh, I didn't have any idea because uh, I've been to UK uh, as a overseas player when I was uh, playing first class figure 2007 and eight, seven, eight and nine in Birmingham League. I played. I I didn't have any idea with the East Anglian Premier League and uh, uh, about Cambridge. So I contacted one friend of mine uh, who is playing uh, for the second team, Granta. So that's how I got into the Granta. Uh, most probably. I had to play second team soon as I arrived here, but uh, suddenly Louis Hill saw me in the net and asked me to just jump into the first. He's the one got me to uh, first team. I'm really happy and uh, respect him so much. <laughs> Take us right back to the the start, DK, as well. When you were when you were growing up in Sri Lanka, you were born in in Kandy. Did you always love cricket as a kid? Yeah, of course. Uh, my one and uh, only sport uh, cricket I played uh, in Sri Lanka. Soon as I finished my school, I joined. I went to Colombo to play high uh, high level cricket, first class cricket. I play. I started with a good uh, good cricketers and uh, first class uh, straight away. I, so I've been playing 13 years uh, and with the national players, great cricketers, uh, World Cup champion players like Arjuna Rantunga, Arvind Silva. I started with them. So, Sanat Jaisu, so much star cricketers, uh, with the star, uh, big cricketers, stars, uh, stars, uh, I played. Uh, so, I'm really happy and uh, I got so much experience with them. And were your family always into cricket? Were they, did they play cricket, your uh, mum, your dad? No, no one, no one has played uh, cricket. Uh, so, I'm the only one in the family just got into cricket, yeah, played cricket. At school level, I played a good standard cricket in school. In Sri Lanka, school always good. It's until now, school cricket is really good. That's why we survive and we, until 2015. Then now, after 2015, we now started to struggle because of the, something wrong with the domestic league. 
but school cricket is huge when we were playing so that's why i could uh, go that much far maybe <laughs> <laughs> and, and tell us what it's like growing up in sri lanka playing cricket because it seems like it's embedded in the culture cricket is just part of being sri lankan uh, yeah of course uh, cricket is the most popular game in sri lanka everyone love cricket uh, everyone after school or just during the school break we play cricket somewhere maybe after school we play cricket in the wherever we can you know like it's uh, like a habit and uh, first game in first and favorite game in sri lanka people love cricket so much and who did you who did you play for again you mentioned you played at, at first class level status yeah so my first uh, season uh, of the f- first class career i started with a national player like lankadi silla who uh, who who played a uh, for national team a test player as a wicket keeper and prasanna jayawardhan is a, a test player wicket keeper batsman and sangakkara mahela a different club but they played uh, different clubs chamindavas uh, if i say aravind silva so i played against them most probably and michael vandert my same major test player mom jehan mubarak uh, chamara silva most of, most of them like sanaj jayasurya i played against them different clubs so many players until 2017 it's a huge list i can give you i got so much experience with them yeah what's what's it like playing against the likes of sangakkara and jai wardner uh, they are really class and uh, sanaj jayasurya if you can watch him in the middle of the ground when his batting is absolutely brilliant and unbelievable to watch him you know like it uh, I'm always really lucky to play with them like even against different clubs you know so I'm always really lucky and take us a bit later on into your career cuz you told me before we started recording that you did some coaching in Australia and you've been to Malaysia as well When I was playing first class cricket uh, I came down to Birmingham uh, as a overseas player I did 3 years I came down so I had a good season and I got I got a, a UK experience as well and soon as I went back home I started again back to season and uh, Australia uh, if I mention Australian cricket uh, they playing long game right very similar to East England Premier League kind of uh, it's still tough cricket uh, but uh, i still i want to mention uh, i uh, sangam premier league is the uh, best uh, overseas uh, like uh, league i played ever in my life like over in overseas apart from my first class even uh, singapore league is kind of a uh, bit tough because they play uh, they have indian and pakistani players most of indian and pakistani players I really enjoyed the uh, Singapore cricket as well and Australia Australia always I enjoyed it uh, and uh, East Anglian league I'm still enjoying <laughs> and and playing in all these different countries DK what what do you think that's yeah. given you what what experiences that given you uh condition wise how to get used to the condition how to read the condition and uh how to tough with the mentally that's experience the, the league taught me so much so Uh, rather than uh, being anxious and playing with the technique they are talking about the technique and so been try to read the conditions really important in cricket so they taught me so much uh, about the been uh, read the condition and 
uh, how to uh, play hard uh, according to the conditions. I want to talk about your form this season. The 2021 season has been your best, scoring 403 in the EAPL, uh, two in the weekend just gone as well. So you, you must be seeing the ball pretty well. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm in a good form and uh, really quite confident. Still, I have one goal to score a thousand runs. I think I can. I'm able to score runs. Uh, I still got eight games left uh, so far. So. Uh, I reckon I'm still able to score thousand runs for the for the club, you know. And as a part of the club, you know, I really want to score thousand runs. I'm trying my best to do something for the club. What would you say is the the most important aspect of of batting, DK? Is it your head position? Is it your feet? Is it striking the ball cleanly? What would you say? Most probably, I just uh, try to keep my body weight in front and head head position still and straight rather than other things so i be, still i believe if you keep your head position straight everything just go uh, follow the head the, that's what i believe i always try to keep my head position still and straight and in front always are you someone who nets a lot are you someone who's in the nets all the time or do you like a, a quick net before a game and then you get out of it and then you're done I prefer to have uh, Monday to Friday every day like nets as much as possible. I got few players uh, on a side they really want to they really keen to just uh, go to the net. I go to the I want to go to the net. Uh, I need net uh, net sessions uh, as much as possible before the game. And uh, before the, just before the game on Saturday I just have few hits. I don't want to have too much hits because but I want to have Monday to Friday so much hits prepare for the game yeah. And lastly, DK, what are your hopes for the season, personally, for yourself and also for the team as Cambridge? What are you hoping to achieve? Yeah, especially I want to score 1,000 runs for the as a player, as a batsman. And I think being a part of the team, I, I want to score 1,000 runs for the club as well and try to help for, uh, help to win win few games to for the, for the club to being somewhere in a good position for the next year to get confidence that's what uh, what uh, what I'm trying to do. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, big thanks to DK for letting me chat to him this week. More on Cambridge in just a bit. Just to run through the quarterfinal lineup for the FTP Quiz Cup. Then Histon won the first tie. Ed Hyde was the man who did it. James Minot for Long Stanton was the super sub who managed to clinch a win there. Leading with a fru, thanks to Scott Walton, Wisbeach and James Williams. Ely's Tom Beaumont secured their place in the last eight. Iceland were through as well. Tim Atchison there. Graham Duff beat Foxton uh, as Eaton Soken. And uh, Sauston Abraham, as we just heard moments ago, defeated Blundsham. Nick Griggs there heading through to the quarterfinals. So that's the, the quarterfinal lineup. We'll do the draw next week and crack on with the quizzing. The week after, let's round up then the East Anglian Premier League, the men's East Anglian Premier League, and start with Sauston and Babraham. They returned to winning ways for the first time in six outings, seeing off Sudbury by five wickets on Saturday. Both James van der Peer and Ben Clover took three wickets as Sauston and Babraham restricted their opponents to 181 in 61 overs, a target they chased down thanks largely to Rishi Patel's 69. Cambridge also managed to put together a successful chase at home, this one coming against Horsford, who were bowled out for 160 in the first innings. Skipper Lewis Hill again taking wickets, 452 this week. In reply, just the one wicket was lost by Cambridge, reaching their target in 47.2 overs. Deminda Ranawira with another tonne, 
as he continues his remarkable form. Bo Exink lost a low-scoring encounter away to Frinton on sea by 22 runs. Matthew Jones' incredible spell of 8 for 57 did help restrict Frinton to just 1-2-7 in 26 overs, but Bo Exink just couldn't get going in the chase, eventually being bowled out for 105. And finally, Saffron Walden could not defend 276 against league leaders Greg Witchcombe, losing by four wickets there. Zabaya so Hamza top scored of 107, so he's back for Walden, which is a, a big plus for them, the South African international albeit getting that 107 in a losing cause. So Sauston Babraham remain as they were last week, the highest placed local side in second, 11 points behind Great Witchingham in the battle for top spot. Cambridge move into the top four after their win, sitting four points clear of Swarston. Saffron Walden remain in seventh, but Burnlexing now dropped to tenth. They are just a point behind Copdock and Old Ipswichim. So next week, the fixture card is as follows. Walden hosts Sauston Babraham in a big local derby. Cambridge take on Swarston away from home. And Burlexing tried to return to winning ways with a trip to second from bottom Sudbury. Thanks, Ollie. Moving on now to the Cams and Hunts Premier League. And after nine games, Eaton Soken's winning streak has finally come to an end. They just couldn't get to double figures there. They couldn't manage to get to 10 on the bounce. They lost by eight wickets in an incredible chase there by Wiswich Town. Eaton Soken did post 235 for five in their 50 overs, thanks mainly to Jonathan Carpenter's unbeaten 112. But Danny Haynes responded with 105 of his own for Wisbech, while fellow opener Gary Freer also contributed a more than useful 85 there. And that, of course, was an opening partnership that, by and large, steered Wisbech to victory. Elsewhere, Cambridge St. Giles defeated second place Histon by 35 runs, a win which has blown the race to the top four wide open. Ollie caught up with St. Giles skipper Chris German after the win, which saw his side move up to fifth, 11 points behind Wisbech. Boys have done me proud again. Um, I think we still owed a little five points from when we beat St Ives, so we're waiting for the uh, the admin people to put that on. So he's even closer than that. But we played some we played some really good good cricket the last few weeks. Um, it's nice to beat one of the one of the big teams. So yeah, really really good weekend. Yeah, that big team was Histon on Saturday. A, a really really cracking victory for yourselves, posting two forty from the fifty overs and then bowling them out for two hundred and five. Talk us through the match. Good toss to win, I think. Um, that first at, at Dry Drayton, we were in an awful lot of trouble, about 100, maybe 115 for eight. And Craig's come in. Craig is the best guy, best guy in the club. He's the guy that he does all the stuff that no no one else wants to do. And he's the, he's always the person when he does well. He's the most popular guy. So we're all really pleased. He he came in at ten and, and smashed a quick sixty um, and got us in that good position. Then we bowled and fielded well. Steamers did really well for us. Um, Sam Thane and Krishna getting four each. And then Vanny, Zahir and me, the spinners from the other end. So, yeah, really good performance all around. And also, just looking at the table, roughly, I think, 60 points or so around that sort of mark would mean you avoid relegation as well, which I guess if we're, if we're thinking about where you've come from over the last couple of years, that in itself is a, a really good achievement in that just what a couple of more wins and then a few bonus points from losses would keep you up. Yeah, we, yeah, we never wanted to be down there in the first place. But as you say, we still we still got a little bit of work to do. It'd be nice to get that out of the way as, as soon as we can. And then we can concentrate on really trying to push that top four, which is an, an absolute goal of ours, to try and get in those extra games at the end. How much are we seeing now the benefit of, of last season as well, having that taster, if you like, playing against some of these sides? Now starting this season, you were familiar with who you were playing against, you were familiar with the league? Yeah, I guess so. So last season was it was a free hit for everyone, wasn't it? It was a it was great to get out and play some cricket in a in a time where we weren't sure we were going to get any cricket. So 
the cricket we did play, we tried to learn from. I think we sort of finished mid-table and beat the side that were below us but couldn't beat anyone above us. So I think that was a, it was a fair reflection of where we were as a, as a club. And the, and the improvement we've made, now we've beaten sides that are, that are top four. Um, and it's certainly where we want to be going forward. So is that top four issue, Ryan? What are you telling the, the players then as skipper? How do you go about doing it? It's got to keep doing what we do doing at the moment. My big thing is if we make them, the batters that we're playing against hit good balls for four, that's high risk. So if, we, if we're giving them easy boundaries and, and extras, that's no good. So let's try and make them hit our good deliveries for four and six and that, that creates pressure and hopefully results in the wicket from doing that. So we're, we're staying pretty grounded. We're not getting too carried away. We've just got to keep, keep doing what we've been doing very well. Um, we'd probably like a few more runs from the from the middle order and not rely on the guys at the bottom to to dig us out hole, which has happened a few times. But we're not far we're not far away from putting a putting a big score together. I think the other results then in the Camden Hunts Premier League are as follows: Cambridge seconds defended two hundred and forty nine to defeat St Ives Town and Warboys by fifty runs. As Ollie mentioned, it was a very good week for Deminda Ranawira. After scoring a ton in the Prem in the East Anglia Prem game, he scored a ton here while his opening partner, Nick Taylor, also scored 52. St. Ives actually had two games this weekend. Uh, that The first game was on Sunday. The one we just talked about, this one, was against Foxton on Saturday. But sadly, it was two defeats for them, as Foxton chased 291 with five wickets left in the shed, meaning tons from Chris Milner and Ollie Stevens were in vain for St. Ives. Tate Carmichael's 149 red inker was the match-winning effort there for Foxton. Alongside Harry Hopwood, 63. And then finally, March Town also won the chase, reaching Ramsey's total of 184 all out for the loss of seven wickets. Sam Clark with four for March, while Saranga Rajaguru anchored the chase with 82 not out to go with three wickets of his own earlier on in the day. So that leaves the league table as follows. Eaton Sogan finally lost, but they're still top. They're 16 points ahead of Histon in second, who were followed by Foxton and Wiswich to round up the top four. Then Cambridge St. John follow them followed by Stanford March Ramsey and the bottom two are Cambridge and St. Ives moving on now to Division 2 Newmarket kept the pressure up on top spot Blunham as they coasted to a nine wicket win over Castor and Ellsworth 57 was all that was required by Newmarket after Mark Nunn's spell of 6 for 23. So a very easy win there for Newmarket. Saffron Walton seconds also won comfortably, defending 270 against Foxton for an 86-run victory. Henry Rodder with 4 for there, while Mihir Kadriger and Finn Kirsten both passed 50. In Division 3, Sawston of Abram 2s continued there to march their merry way in that division. They had a 7-wicket win over Orton Park. Ben Benson scored his second half-century in as many weeks, so he's in good nick there, as his side chased down 131 for the loss of three wickets. Eden Sogan 2s also won, as they saw off Wisbech Town seconds by five wickets. So as we said there, Sawston of Abram still dominating in that division as their cushion at the top of the table now sits at 72 points. Yeah, in other matches, Cambridgeshire continued their cracking run of form in the NCCA 50-over trophy. They're now through to their first semi-final in 18 years after their quarter-final victory against Cheshire by four wickets on Sunday. They're the only side left in the comp that have won all their matches five out of five. After winning the toss and choosing to bat, Cheshire were bowled out for 247 in the 49th over. Ali Hancock doing the damage there for Cams with four for 44. In reply, Ben Seabrook's 123 off 109 balls was the standout innings alongside the very handy 51 from Lee Thomason, which saw them over the line and ensured Cams progressed to that semi-final. I caught up with Ben Seabrook, the match winner on the day after his knock. 
really pleased. It was an all-round good team performance. Again, in the field, we were probably the definitely the best on show. I think we've grown, grown week on week in the field and with the ball. Um, I think the bowlers up top knew their plans, never really got the game, never got away from us in the field. And we thought coming off that 2.47 all out, that's as we saw in the game against Suffolk at Exning, that's 30, 40 under par. So we felt confident going in, going at the turn. And batting-wise, wasn't obviously wasn't the perfect start. 11 for two after five, six overs. And then obviously myself, Callum Guest, and then Lee Thomason kind of steadied the ship a little bit and turned us in the right direction towards the back end, which was well finished off by Kieran McKenzie. Um, so it was pretty all-round performance from the guys from 1 to 11. Yeah, 123 for yourself. Is that possibly your most important knock in a in a cam shirt to date? Yeah, I think situation-wise, I think that's probably the best knock I've played in a cam shirt. So I played a decent knock early in the season. And this one was against better bowl and attack with put a lot more on the line, which makes it even more special to me, really. And able to get us into a semi-final for the first time in. 18 years, I think. So really pleased with that knock. Yeah, the draw hasn't been too kind to you. And it's a long away day up to Cumbria in the, the semis on the 8th of August. What are your thoughts on them? Yeah, we know we've played in the three-day a few years ago. No, they're very competitive sides. They've got a lot of, lot of class players in their ranks, um, beating Suffolk in the end by five runs. But we know it's every, every game now is going to be a test and it has been so far. I think we just still play our game and don't, Stray away from that. I think we'll we can definitely get a win up there. Just got to take got to take it as it comes. Yeah, the only side in the comp to to win all your games so far. So so your group matches and then your knockout games five in total. Presumably, there's a real confidence you can go on can go on and win it. So what do you reckon to change this year? Because over recent years, as you said, eighteen years since reach last reaching this stage in the T20s, you've sort of just missed out on finals day and come short in the group. So what do you feel has changed this year? I think we've got a better balance to the side. I think everyone now has a role role to play and they know that role inside out now. A lot of guys in the last couple of years, starting from 18 and now in their low low 20s, a couple of good acquisitions with Wayne White coming in, experienced pro all-rounder, and obviously the find of Jack Potter to bolster the batting lineup as well. And well, Callum Guest taken over full-time with the captaincy and everyone just enjoys playing cricket together at the moment. Obviously, as you said, five from five, that doesn't really happen unless the guys enjoy playing together. There's a good harmony in the group, which we definitely have at the minute, and long may it continue in all formats. Yeah, his most important knock for Cambridgeshire, the words of Ben Seabrook there. Cambridgeshire going very well again today. They're taking on Essex in a 50-over match at Chelmsford, and Essex are 176 for nine in the 32nd over. This is as of 18.43 on Tuesday. Harrison Craig has uh, picked up a fifer as well. Bowling figures of 6.2, 11 runs conceded and five wickets. Two maidens in there as well. So it's an opportunity to impress and Harrison Craig has certainly done that as of yet. So we'll keep you updated as we go here on, on the show. About 15 minutes left. Just a, another word on one more match before we head off to the break. And unfortunately, Foxton, they're out of the National Village Cup at the quarter-final stage after suffering a five-wicket defeat to Stoke Green on Sunday. Skipper Alex Hooley was the only man to pass 50 as they posted 192 for eight off their 40 overs. Stoke Green chased it down with relative ease inside 34, denying Foxton a first semi-final appearance since... 2015. Cambridge 105. 
From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yeah, Sixers innings has finished. They ended up on 179 for nine. And the reason it's finished, I forgot to say, there was a bit of a rain delay earlier on. So 32 overs was all they were able to complete. So they finished up on 179 for nine. Alistair Cook looked in pretty decent nick earlier, scoring 46 off 46. A strike rate at 100, but that's all he managed to get. Harrison Craig got him out, and he also got four more wickets as well. So he picked up a five for there. Finished on seven overs, two maidens, 14 runs and five wickets. Cambridgeshire's chase, they require 158 to win from 32 overs, I believe. So a slight calculation from the DLS method has has reduced their total to 158 is the number of runs they require to win. Pakistan are 26 for none after 3.2 in the match against England, the third and final T20 of the series. The score currently one all. Right then, let's return to local cricket. And uh, on Sunday, it was a good day for Abington as they secured their place in the Cam's Invitation Cup final after defeating Camborne by 92 runs. The chairman, David Pimlet, joins me now. David, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you, Ollie. Good, good to hear. Um, I was going to ask how the season's going, but clearly pretty well in the cup competition so far. Uh, sixth out of nine in the Senior 1 division as well. How do you think it's gone so far? Uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster uh, at Abington. Um, on midweek, ones have won virtually every game they've played, so they're, they're steaming ahead, looking sure to win the title there. Um, Saturdays have been a bit of a bit of a mixed bag. But uh, certainly the Invitation Cup is the um, the bit that we're all looking forward to now, though. Yeah, as you say, like a welcome break, just a nice sort of distraction distraction from the league. Uh, well, very much. Obviously, um, our opponents, semi-final Camborne, they've been riding high, they're top of the division, um, and we've usually struggled against them. Um, but an inspired performance by uh, by one of our bowlers, um, James Brookman, took five wickets in seven balls, which rather changed the direction of the game. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say five for 16 off six overs for James Brookman. Brilliant figures. Really, really impressive stuff. Just to run people through the game, Abington batted first, posted 179 for six off your 45. And Camborne, as you said, top of senior one, what, five places ahead of Abington in the table, bowled up for 87. James Brookman, the star of the show, with a, a five for there. Uh, is the, the, has it been challenging in the league... David, because of the, the cancellations because of COVID, I'm just looking at the league table now and there's a few teams on 11, or a couple in fact, the rest are on 10, Needingworth on 8, and these games have been postponed. I think there were six on the weekend across all throughout the, the CAMS divisions due to, to COVID, so it's causing a bit of an issue at the minute. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, and it's something which um, I think the lid's only just come off this jar. Um, you know, I think it's <laughs> uh, people are fearing there could be more games to come called off. Um, infection rates, obviously, are running very high and with this isolation, it's meaning games are going to have to be postponed or, in all probability, cancelled. So uh, I think the chat is whether there's going to be promotion or relegation this season. It, it's clearly been disrupted a fair amount already. Um, but we'll have to wait and see, really. It's, nobody really knows for sure right now. No, and probably not something we want to speculate on on, on just yet. Um, Nathan, bring bring you back in as well. Obviously, you've had a, a few games cancelled due to COVID. How disrupting is that to your season when you, you're getting ready, getting your head on to uh, to get back into action and then your game's pulled because of, well, of various reasons? 
one of the most recent cases, it was as disruptive as you can get because the last uni game of the season for me was was cancelled. So the entire, you know, that was it in terms of the season was gone. So, you know, when that happens, obviously it's not ideal. But um, yeah, no, obviously whenever it happens and you and it's still the season's still going on, it's it's incredibly disruptive. You don't you're not really sure who's around, who can train with isolation, etc. Um, and things like that. So it's 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 really unpredictable and quite difficult to deal with. As but everybody has to deal with it, I suppose. Yeah, nine teams in senior one. So what, that's 16 games across the season. Some teams are already up to 11. So I'm, I don't know whether that will come into the, the powers that be decision to to end sort of promotion and relegation, whether they look at a system points per game. Obviously, we, we've seen that happen in the T20 Blast when Derbyshire's matches, I think, got pulled, so therefore they had to do that group on, on points per game. Obviously, we'll, we'll keep you across it as as the weeks go. Um, Dave, we're going to move on to your big question, though, because it's a cracker. It's a cracker. One we've had, <laughs> I think we've uh, we flirted with the idea of discussing this before, but do you want to let us know what it is? Um, yes, well, um, whether you are aware, I'm actually uh, one of the league umpires. Um, so my main meal of the weekend, uh, <laughs> quite often in the summer, is a good cricket team. And certainly... Um, in the days gone by, the coming together of the teams, the chat in the pavilion, the, the variations of tea was one of the great parts of the game. And in this COVID era, that's obviously been put to bed for a while. Um, a number of clubs fear that it's um, it's a big cost, it's a big hassle. Uh, it's, they'd rather sort of do without it. Um, I think it's a massive part of the game. So, you know, what is the future for cricket teas? What is the future for cricket season? Nathan, I guess this is a question again, that as every question that gets asked in this sort of vein, it almost depends on what format you're going to play, what the future of cricket looks like on a Saturday. But what's your uh, initial thoughts on it? I think no matter what the format, there's always going to be a T, right? It's, surely, surely, no, no matter how few overs or how few balls we manage to get in, somebody's going to somebody's going to demand that we get fed. So I'm, I think it's too big a tradition to, well, for it to go. Even, even, even if we only ever play 2020s, <laughs> going forward for the rest the rest of our cricketing careers, somebody's going to demand a few sandwiches at the end of the game. What is wrong with you two? Why is the biggest meal of the day your tea? Why? Why are you not having a good breakfast to start and also then not having like a curry or a Chinese when you get back? That's what I want to know. What What, what if you're doing all three? Well, that, that's a good point. But either, either way, your tea shouldn't be your biggest. <laughs> your tea, especially not, well, it depends what you do in second innings. But yeah, I mean, my view, I, I think I've said before, personally, I'm a... I'm, going against you two I think it's a little bit of a faff maybe not necessarily the tea itself but just the the length of time that you spend sitting around waiting for the second innings to commence really just frustrate me I mean I would as I said before I think I've said before in the show I quite happily play sort of 30-30 or 40-40 whatever and just quick turn around and and uh, and, and go again but I, I appreciate you as an umpire David <laughs> it's, it's easy for me yeah. saying that as a player who's in the action but you'd probably want something to eat it's a very much mute point, actually. Yes, I mean the players, you know, unless they batted long, um, have plenty of opportunity to to rest and to and to go again in the game. Um, if we've been stood out in the middle for three hours, with another three hours to go afterwards, you know, first of all, we need to check that everything's right with the scores. We've got to, you know, still manage the game. To only have a, a twenty-minute turnaround or ten-minute turnaround is 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 a, is a big ask. Um, we need to rest the legs to be able to, to do a good job on what we're trying to do. Sure, yeah, on a, on a 2020, um, yes, just have a quick drink and go again. Happy with that. But um, I think cricket is more than just a sport. I, I think it's it's one of the best ways of social interaction between communities. And certainly here at Abington, we get a lot of people down to watch the game. It's certainly something which 
um, is an integral part of the village. And um, it's the coming together of people. And, and if the players are only on the field and then disappear off, they don't get that interaction, um, either in the bar or in the tea room, then I think we're losing a huge part of the game. Yeah, you make a great point, David, because as we've discussed on this show and, and our other sports shows at the station over the last year to 18 months, that community sense of community, that interaction with people who maybe not even playing but just coming down to watch is so important. Um, and I'm not saying get rid of that. I just think there might be an opportunity maybe if you, I don't know, shorten that gap in the middle to then spend longer at the ground after and you, if the club's got a bar, fortunate enough to have a bar, you can spend a few drinks and, and raise a bit of money for the club. But it's... Uh, it's a good debate, a good question. Uh, last question to both of you. Very quick answers, if you can. David, what's your what's your ideal plate of tea? You got a paper plate. What are you what, what are you hoping for on there? Oh well, sweet and savouries, um, homemade sandwiches. Um, Victoria sponge's got to be in. What's in the sandwiches? Um, oh, egg and crust to start with. And, to start. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Certainly a bit of meat. Yeah, yeah. So that's important. Nathan, what about you? Well, it wasn't for a game, but I reckon I had the best cricket meal I've ever had today because uh, the, the spirit were training at Lord's today, so we got fed there. So I had, uh, I had a lovely chicken, I had a lovely Lord's chicken chicken stir fry. So I reckon I'm going to go with that. Honestly, has to bring it back to Lord's, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we, we just talked about how tea is the best part of the game, so I couldn't not talk about my food today. I'm sorry. It's true, yeah, it is true. I know when when I went to Lord's for the Cricket World Cup a couple of years ago. And uh, we got fed as, as volunteers, and it was a, a very, very high standard then as well. So Gould knows what the players are being fed in the uh, well, if they have their tea at, at Lords, I presume it's obviously somewhere in that in that magnificent pavilion. You probably know, don't you, Nathan? You've asked Owen Morgan what his favourite his favourite tea is. Knock on his hotel will, room, or when he gets here tomorrow after the game tonight, that's the first thing I will ask him, and I will report back to you. Thanks, thanks, Nathan. David, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it this evening. Excellent, great. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I just want to let you know the final Cambridgeshire result against Essex at Chelmsford. Just to recap then, Essex 179 for 9 of 32 overs. Then DLS got involved and Cambridgeshire required 158 runs to win in 32 overs themselves. And uh, unfortunately, they were bowled out for 132. It looked like it was on at one stage. Callum Guest... And uh, Lee Thomason put on a partnership worth 67 and uh, they were 93 for three before they lost three wickets for just one run. And then the tail wagged a little bit, but not enough. They were eventually bowled out for 132. The standout performer for Cambridgeshire on the day has to go down as Harrison Cray picking up a fifer in Essex's innings and that wicket of Alistair Cook as well. So unlucky Cambridgeshire, but by the sounds of things, by the looks of things on the stream and on the photo since they had a cracking day out. And hopefully it's not the last time we'll be seeing our national county go up against a first-class county. That is all we've got time for on this week's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks to the two quizzes, Zanir and Nick from Bluntsham and Sauce and Abraham, respectively. Nick made it through to the quarterfinals of the quiz. Histon, Longstanton, Needingworth, Wisbeach, Ely, Islam, Eaton, Soken and Sauce and Abraham are in the final eight. We'll do the draw next week, so make sure you stay tuned. Tuesday at six o'clock is when we're on air next week, as we are every week until the summer is done here on Cambridge 105 Radio until the end of September at least. The podcast will be available tomorrow about four o'clock 
on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also available at cambridge105.co.uk. Thanks very much for listening. Until next week, see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you.